Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, and welcome to the Carrie Faith on Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Faith. As an energy healer, psychology, and human behavior specialist, trainer, mentor, writer, speaker, and lifelong student of self-development myself, I am here to support you to manifest your wildest dreams. We make it fun, easy, and predictable on the show with inspiration, motivation, and transformational principles for lifelong change. You can consider me your spiritual guide in your pocket, leading you towards your highest purpose and trusting yourself you are on the right path. I share real conversations with the visionary women who are top leaders in their fields after they themselves pivoted and stepped into their higher purpose in life. This show is for the woman who wants it all and more and is ready to step into her infinite power and potential from within. Are you ready? Let's begin. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Carry Faith on Purpose show. I am so excited to introduce to you this amazing soul. Think Brene Brown meets Biker Babe with a dash of Liz Gilbert as former chief marketing officer of Harley Davidson. Shelly Paxson found herself at the top of the proverbial mountain, feeling success empty instead of success full. That awakening led her on a profound soul sabbatical journey that became her mission business. And she became best-selling book author of Sabbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. She's named number one on Forbes 21 books to read in 2021 list. She's leading a revolution to rewrite the script of success and liberate a billion souls. Yes, I said a a billion. Her podcast, Rebel Souls Podcast, explores what it means to rebel for who you are, what you want, and the impact you have and you want to share with the world. Buckle up for some serious badassery and a whole lot of inspiration in this episode. She has a knack for saying it out loud, what people want to say, but don't know how or are afraid to admit and say. Her story is inspiring and original. I'm excited for you to meet her. Thank you so much for being with me today, Shelly Paxton. I know your schedule is crazy busy, so I'm lucky to be in your presence. Thanks for being on the show. Just ironic that I've seen your book on the shelf and I love the cover of your book. I have, I just want to dive right into the questions about you and your journey of where you were and where you are today. What, which, if you want to tell the audience a little bit about maybe where you were 20 years ago. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 20 years ago. Uh, well, we wouldn't be having this conversation because I, I definitely, I definitely didn't understand all of the things that I understand today, including who am I? 
So I know we'll get into that at some point, but well, let me summarize it this way. And then I'm guessing a lot of people will see themselves in some part of this story. I spent 26 years as an advertising and marketing executive. So 20 years ago, I was like, it, you know, I only left the, the corporate world five years ago. So 20 years ago, I was in the thick of my marketing career. I was like climbing the ladder and wanting to get to the peak of the mountain and wanting to become a chief marketing officer because that was, as I was taught, the pinnacle of success. Right. So I was very much, you know, in this sexy job, stewarding some of the most iconic global brands in the world. I had the the honor and the pleasure to work with brands from Harley Davidson to Visa to AOL to McDonald's, you name it. The portfolio is pretty impressive. And I don't regret any of that. All of it took me around the world and um, you know, it, it gave me a great life until I kind of started to get woken up one day and I realized like, oh, wait a second, like whose dream am I living? So I won't spoil the rest of that story. We may be going there, but, you know, I was a high flying advertising and marketing executive living the quote unquote dream is the short answer. <laughs> Well, I would love, thank you for sharing that. Um, it's so great for the audience and people to know that these roles and identities that we have today as, as a podcaster, you and an author and a global speaker, like you weren't always in this identity, right? So I love to just give the, the back flash. Usually I ask tell me about your seven-year-old self, but I felt like it was more oh. uh, realistic to go back 20 years. So I'm curious about what actually was that breaking point or what happened that you just woke up one day? I know I did, but, but was it something particular that you had a breaking point? Yeah. So I know for a lot of people, COVID has definitely been a breaking point in this global pandemic. And that's why I feel like my message and your message are so relevant right now. And it's why I love being out here having these conversations to inspire more people to say, yeah, did you kind of realize you're living on autopilot before this is happening? But my wake up happened before COVID. So it was back in really in 2015. And I was chief marketing officer of Harley Davidson. And honestly, does it get any sexier when it comes to marketing jobs? Most people would give a limb to be in that role. And I got to a point where I'm like, wow, I get to ride motorcycles around the world. And I work for this like badass brand that people tattoo on their bodies. Why am I waking up every morning and feeling empty inside? Why am I getting promoted and rewarded and all of these accolades and yet I don't feel this? And so I was starting to understand this idea of like, wait a second, I've been taught that success looks a certain way, but maybe those are somebody else's terms. And what does it really mean for me? But I had no language to put around that. And so I like to say the universe came in for a little assistance and started ripping me out of my sleep. So the universe and my soul probably conspired to say, hello, time for a little wake up call. You are going to get woke whether you like it or not. And so I started having a recurring nightmare for the entire final year that I was at Harley. 
And it was ripping me out of my sleep. I wasn't sleeping. I was drinking too much wine every night to try to numb. I was getting up in the morning trying to cover it all up so I could look shiny and polished. And, you know, like I have my act together every day at my job while I'm a hot mess on the inside. And it was that nightmare and the journey that it was kind of the catalyst for, meaning I went to an integrative doctor. I tried to understand what was going on. I then realized it was internal stuff. I started learning how to meditate. Then I finally understood that what I was seeing in this nightmare, which is actually the first chapter of my book, what I was seeing in this nightmare was actually a proxy for my soul. And my soul was crying out to me, like, listen to me, feed me, love me, nourish me. And it just cracked me wide open. And I realized that at the time I was 45, 46 years old. And I'm like, wow, if I get to 50 and I'm still living this way, like, am I getting closer to who I want to become or further away? And if further away, what do I want to do about this? So that was the big breaking point for me. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably and, and giving us a sneak peek into chapter one of your book, Sobatical, a corporate, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. I just love this name and the idea that your soul was crying. I know that everyone listening to this has probably experienced their soul crying. For me, it manifested in a lot of like physical pain, but of course, like the numbing behaviors, I could say that I'm so guilty of some of those numbing behaviors as I become more and more aware of them. How how could you share with someone like if their soul is crying, what would be the first step to really move forward and nurture that crying soul? Yeah. And one of the things, here's what worked for me. And I talk about this in the book and in my work as well. The hardest thing for me, and I'm guessing most of the people who are in your community and my community, there might be some overlap there. You know, we're achievers Mm -hmm. and we're kind of, you know, we get set on this path and we were taught that things look in, you know, look a certain way and that there is, you know, boxes to tick for success and all these things. And we don't slow down long enough because if you're anything like me, you're afraid to slow down because that means you have to listen. And when we listen, it might be really scary and super inconvenient what we hear. And so I would say the first step I had to take and that I would encourage anybody else to take before you do anything or frankly, before you make any decisions is slow down and get quiet and just get to know you. Like, what is that? Like, it was one thing that my soul was crying out, listen to me, love me, you know, feed me, nourish me. It was another thing for me to go, what does that mean? Like, what are you, what, what are you in need of? What have I been ignoring or what calling have I been like smashing down because it felt too scary to deal with things like I had this whole question list of questions in the book where I was like, well, wait a second. If my soul tells me what my real purpose calling path is, do I have to listen? <laughs> do you? I have to listen. Does that mean that I have to 
go on this journey of potentially leaving the corporate world, the only thing I've ever known, the only livelihood I've ever known. And all of that was hugely scary. So before you even get to that point, gift yourself quiet time, even if it's 15 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, start with 10. That's what I started with. 10 minutes a day of getting quiet and going, what is that voice telling me? Allow it to get a little bit loud, louder, allow those messages to crystallize. And then one at a time, you can start taking tiny steps forward. But I found that I didn't really know myself at all. And frankly, I had been living my dad's dream, every single thing I was doing. And I was doing it because I was like, people tell me I'm amazing. And they're giving me all these, you know, rewards and promotions and money and titles and sexy brands and all the things. I'm like, but wait a second, if none of this is making me happy or feel joy or wake up and feel passionate and lit up about what I do, then what am I doing? I can relate to that so much about living out my life because of what my father placed the expectation or having that and having that self-acceptance through external um sources, right? Through checking out the boxes and having the titles or whatever it looks like it. And it can be scary, I feel like. And I think at every step in our soul journey, we have to look at the external world and say, what is still in the external that I'm kind of um, shattering over my soul? Because the authenticity part is really hard. So how did you reconnect with your authenticity? I mean, I know you said first get quiet, but when you just, because a lot of my listeners are like being introduced and starting their new role and identity in life. And when we start to further explore, we almost get like more lost in it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and I think open doorways. Yeah. Well, and also giving ourselves permission to get lost, right? Because Mm -hmm. there is no one path. Like, listen, if we're, if the path is clear, we're on somebody else's. I forget who said that. So that's not my language. I, and I just don't know who to attribute it to, but it's so powerful to me. That was one of my biggest, if the path before you is clear, you're on someone else's. Mm -hmm. And that to me is so powerful, right? Because we're taught, right? We're taught that there are, it's like, oh, well, do you want to take the marketing path or the law path or the engineering path or the doctor path or the whatever? And it's like, well, okay, those are known paths. But if you really want to be true to you, what does it mean to blaze your own trail? Hmm. Right? And so, you know, to be out there like carrying a torch, or I always say like, get your bushwhacker out, like get ready to do the hard work of getting rid of like... (laughs) That's a great analogy because that's really what it is when you start carving your own desk, your own path. And like you said, if it's clear, it's probably not yours because it's someone that's already gone down that path. And our soul path isn't necessarily someone else's. Right. And they they may intersect. Maybe you are on another path for a little while until you go, oh, I'm being called over here. But that portion of the path, like that well-tread portion served me really well. That's okay. No shame in that game, right? I, I played that game for 26 years and I'm realizing like I have zero regrets. My entire career served me very well for where I'm sitting right now. I couldn't have even 
understood that I needed to go on this journey if I hadn't kind of, you know, bounced around doing what I was doing. And I'm really grateful that my soul was like, knock, 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 <laughs> time to pay attention. So, yeah, so I think part to get back to your question, part of the discovering my authenticity was like, okay, what are some things that really light me up? So yes, there was the quiet time and understanding what is the message. And the message was very clear. The message is you're living somebody else's truth. Mm. So now I need to get clear on what is my truth. And Mm -hmm. so before I left Harley on what I ultimately called my soulbatical, I was like, what are the things that really light me up? And to me, I realized it was at the time travel, photography, and writing. And I knew I always wanted to write a book. So I was like, what if as I go on this journey, I'm going to say goodbye to corporate America for now. I may come back. I may not leaving that door open, not with Harley, but just in general, I wasn't willing to close any door. And I didn't know where else to start my journey other than to say, what if I start with some things that I know I love and I know will bring that fire back to my soul. And by doing those a little bit more, that might open up new doors, portals, possibilities, whatever. And so that actually, so that led me and literally those became the breadcrumbs that led me to writing more, traveling the world, learning lessons, the lessons that eventually kind of formed the backbone of the book that I wrote. And so I, and so all of those things, but I could not have seen that in September of 2016, when I walked out the door of Harley, couldn't have seen any of that and any of this that exists today. There's a super practical exercise that I have all of the people in my world doing work with me do that I would suggest. It's soul fuels versus soul sucks. And it's super easy. Like you can do this on your computer or you can just pick up an, you know, eight and a half by 11 white sheet of paper, draw a line down the middle, entitle the left column soul fuels, entitle the right column soul sucks, and think about it this way. Give yourself 10 minutes. On the left column, what you're doing is you're writing stream of consciousness. What are the things that just light you up, that you're super passionate about, that you look forward to, that you're in flow, you lose time, you you lose track of time doing. And the soul sucks are the things that feel constricting and draining, kind of those energy vampires. And these are people, places, things, activities, all of it. And give yourself five minutes on each column, stream of consciousness, don't pick up your pen. And then when the 10 minute buzzer is up, just take a step back and look at those two lists. I have never been in a setting where someone wasn't surprised, myself included, by something that came up on that list or by the fact that one list was dramatically longer than the other, or something that they'd been telling themselves as a soul fuel was actually a soul suck. I mean, you can imagine, right? So just getting curious about what you've written and doing this kind of thing every quarter to check in would be a huge step forward in knowing you and your authenticity. Such a great tip and tool to start with. Like you said, you only need 10 minutes to do that. And I see this a lot with um, removing certain blocks for my clients is that typically it does start with a passion. 
you know, and we put the passion aside, like the drawing or the photography or the, um, well, we put some travel, I would say, aside in the yeah, past few we years. We all had right? to, right? <laughs> maybe certain things that we haven't even been able to do, but we put it aside. And when you can start realizing, oh yeah, I haven't done that for five, 10 years. And you start doing that. It just opens up like more energy and even allowing us to listen to that quiet voice. Like you said. Yeah. A friend of mine just did this. She, she got in touch with her inner artist again. She'd always been a graphic designer and then left her career to raise her children and was really starting to feel restless and lost and disconnected from herself and numbing a lot. And so she went back to what is that art that I love? Like, what does my inner artist want to create? And she started doing these cool decoupage things. She now has a massive Etsy store. Like she didn't set out to create a business, but by reconnecting with that, and I'm not saying it always has to be your passion because some people don't want their passion to be their profession. And that's okay too. What I'm saying is just follow it and sink into it a little bit more because there are messages there, whether it becomes your profession or whether it gives you the next breadcrumb on the trail that you are creating for yourself. That's what you can get curious about. And the curiosity is such a powerful emotion or feeling just being curious. And I love that you bring up like just the baby steps and the breadcrumbs. It doesn't have to be some, you know, leave your whole career instantaneously. It's just take one step every single day. A hundred percent. And this is what I say to people, because I think it sometimes freaks people out that, you know, I'm sitting here as an example of somebody who did leave their big corporate career, but that's not my message in the world. Mm -hmm. My message in the world is rewrite your script of success, whatever that looks like for you. Right. And for a lot of people, it's simply defining what does it look like to live successful versus success empty? Because that's a feeling that's something that happens from the inside out. So how do we live our one wild and precious life, as Mary Oliver said, you know, in a way where we feel full, we feel fueled up, our soul is on fire, or at least it feels more balanced when we look at the soul fuels that we have in our lives versus the soul sucks that we have in our lives. That's progress. That feels good. We, I would say, overlook the importance of those small steps of progress to recognize the soul, the soulful um, things that we can do. Right. So my question for you, because this is called Carrie Faith on Purpose show, what is your definition of life's purpose? And is it different than a passion? Would you say, or at least the definition of it? Well, it's interesting. I know everybody purpose is one of those really fascinating words, right? Because people overuse it. I think it gets thrown around a lot. It is a very meaningful word to me, which is why I love what you do. And I love having this conversation with you, but I also recognize that in the world, it's something that's just sort of like thrown around and people try to cobble together a bunch of words and say, this is the purpose of our organization, or this is my purpose. And I think it gets us really confused. Like Mm -hmm. to me, what I wrote, like I wrote four myths of purpose in my book. And the first one gets at what you're saying. I literally wrote, we, the myth is we create our own purpose. In my mind, purpose is a story in your soul, not a script in your head. Mm. So can you write that? 
I know you talk about scripting your life. Well, and I would say we tune into it and we then take control of the narrative, right? We tune into what is it trying to tell us? And that kind of goes back to the point in my story where, you know, the universe and my soul were conspiring to wake me up and go, Hey, you need to pay attention or this isn't going to end well. Um, and so for, by tuning into my soul, I believe I was starting to tune into my story, but I didn't understand it in full. I don't think we see it. You know, we don't see all the pieces of course, but by taking that next tiny step and that next tiny step, what I realized by trusting my soul and trusting my gut and going on this journey that I did before sabbatical became my business and a book and a movement and the things that it is today, I simply trusted that this is what I needed to do to really understand my story and my purpose. And then when I realized much further into that journey, again, I left Harley five years ago and it's still ever evolving. What I started to realize as people were coming to me going, wait a second, like, this is really interesting, this thing you're doing. And it was the thing everybody told me I was crazy to do was to walk away to better understand me. And so then I realized like, oh, taking that step forward and doing the work and going on this journey was actually leading me closer to my calling, which was to help others do this in their own way, help others rewrite their own script of success, whatever that looks like, become authors of our lives and liberate our own souls. So I believe it's a story in our soul at the end of the day. If that seems like a reasonable answer to your question, that's kind of how I think about it. Well, there's no right or wrong answer. I, so I love yours that it is the, it's the script. Did you say the script of our soul? I said, it's the story in our soul versus the script in our head. Cause I think oh. we always try to tell ourselves like purpose becomes this like almost mechanical intellectual exercise. Yes. And I don't believe it's that at all. I believe we have to get out of our heads and into our bodies and souls to truly understand, like, do I feel it? Am I on the right path? What are, what's my soul telling me what's how is my body reacting to that so I believe that's where it lives it's a story in our soul so beautiful the story in our soul so how hard was it to write your book sabbatical was it like did it just flow <sighs> from you or was it kind of like a challenge or what did that look like the whole writing experience oh I wish I could be one of those people who was like it just was a download that I received in two months later Later, it was this beautiful book and nothing would be further from the truth. Well, we want it the was, truth. And actually that's something yeah. that really I wanted to um, also emphasize with that was the trust piece of your journey is that trust is so important and listening, I feel to our soul is trusting yeah. that whatever we're hearing is something that uh, we just need to act courageously. So about the book, yeah, how hard was it sure. to write the book? It was really upping hard. So that's the short answer. Um, you know, for a lot of reasons. One, I had never written a book before. I didn't even know how to go about it. So I hired a book coach. So thank God for Patty M. Hall. If anybody wants a book coach, I would, I would like 
Patty all day long. Um, I'd probably still be on the first chapter in the fetal position crying if it wasn't for her. So, and the other piece of it is so much of it was so raw and, and real because it's part memoir, part manifesto, part interactive guide so that I can, you know, hold the mirror up and help, you know, readers go on the journey that I went on, so to speak. Right. And ask some of the same hard questions I was asking myself, but the memoir piece of it, like you can't underestimate like dredging up a lot of those experiences. Cause I went all the way back to about 15, 16 years old up to current day. And so I was talking about really, and I, it was, it is a no holds barred raw vulnerable book. And I wrote it that way on purpose because I thought the world doesn't need another book that makes somebody's life, you know, like this executive life looks so pretty and sexy and all the things that would be easy to do, be easy to put me on a pedestal. I also acknowledge that I've had a really privileged life and a lot of good fortune. At the same time, I was honest about having dealt with, you know, a rough divorce and, you know, ignoring my soul and my gut for a long time and some health issues that came up as a result of that. And, suicide, a suicide attempt that I took on my own life. I mean, these are, I went there and I wanted to tell those stories because I don't want anybody to ever feel alone in asking these questions and in really getting in touch with your authenticity and your courage and your purpose. So I wanted to show that it's a beautiful mess and that you can make it through to the other side. So um, dredging, uh, I say dredging, that's such a horrible word, but, you know, bringing up all of that and then writing about it in my voice and re often reliving my dad's stroke and being in the ICU with him for weeks and weeks and weeks all over again. That stuff was rough, really rough. So I will also say that I so appreciate now, in hindsight, of course, all of the pain, because what I didn't realize is that I still had a lot of healing to do. And that writing my story became this kind of meta healing activity for me. And I think for my readers, because you're almost going on the process of my, you know, my healing journey, which I didn't realize that was going to be kind of a through line of the book. And it is, and it's beautiful. Absolutely. You had to go through your own, I feel like pain, right? We as, as individuals have to go through our own pain and go through our own healing process so that we can guide other people through it and through your healing process and not just experiencing that in your life, but writing the book makes it even that much more powerful for the reader and for you to be that expert. Yeah. And I would encourage, honestly, everybody listening to this, whatever your version, not everybody wants to write a book. And I totally appreciate that. However, I really, really can't emphasize enough how important it is that we all share our stories in some way, because that's where the deep human connection comes from. And if there's one thing that I understand from writing this book, it's absolutely that, that people how do I want to say this? I, so I say in the intro to the book that I wrote this book because when I left Harley, I had the world's eyeballs, or at least my world's eyeballs on me, including my own family going, you're nuts. This isn't going to work. This is a very bad idea. And I could have so easily just caved into that pressure and said, "Eh, 
it wouldn't hurt me to stay at Harley for like another five, 10 years, make a lot of money. And then, you know, I'll figure it out later. The courageous thing to do was to say, in spite of what everybody is saying and looking at me like I have 10 heads, I'm still going to do the thing that feels most right to me. And yeah, it's the scary AF thing, right? And so that's what I chose to do, but I didn't have anywhere to look. I didn't have any role models. So when I wrote the book, I said, I want this book to be like me putting my arm around you Mm -hmm. on this journey and we're doing it together. And I got you and I'm going to share my journey. And then you're going to go on your own. And those are the messages that I've gotten from anybody who's read my book or many people who've read my book. Just thank you thank you. Like I didn't feel so alone in asking these questions and exploring these things and trying to understand what lights me up and what does it look like for me to live a life that's more authentic and courageous and purposeful. And so, man, if that's the legacy that I leave in this world, I'm happy. So it was worth it. Everyone looking at you like you were crazy to leave your career, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. Now, if you'd asked me that one week after leaving, I was totally in that spiral of like, I'd wake up one day and go, I'm on top of the world. And then I'd wake up the next day and I'd be like, what the fuck have I done? You know, and I'd have a complete meltdown. And I was on that roller coaster for a very long time because Mm -hmm. I couldn't see where it was all leading. So like we said earlier, it took one step after the other step, but it was always baby steps. And then I would take the lessons and I'd move forward and I'd take the lessons and all of it, you know, led me to this place. But yeah, is it worth it? A hundred percent. Like I am so clear now, as Brene says, I will always choose courage over comfort. Mm-hmm. always, because I know what's on the other side. The other side is my growth and liberation and freedom and me being me in the world. And I've realized that I can't have the impact in the world that I want to have if I'm not being me. Absolutely. So how important do you feel like a even after you see a clearer path for you, for yourself, like how much do you dedicate to your own personal growth now? A lot. I mean, uh, so how much do I dedicate in terms of time, in terms of energy, and probably more importantly, in terms of money, right? All of those things. So personal development, self-development, I mean, I would say that I either am a junkie or border on border on being a junkie. But to be honest, like, I don't expect that of everybody, but I will never do anything for free in the world. Not because I don't want to give back, but I mean, I do free pro bono work or scholarship work, but in general, as a principle, I believe we all have to have skin in the game of our own lives. Yes. And so if we aren't investing in ourselves, what are we investing in? And I'm not saying it has to be a hundred thousand dollars or even $50,000, but you might say, Hey, this year I'm going to set aside $5,000 and I'm going to, you know, take the course I've already always wanted to take, or maybe I'm going to hire a coach to help me break through these things that have been holding me back. And, you know, I know what I want to do, or maybe tune in more deeply, whatever it is for you. I think that's super important. So I consider it, I did a whole solo episode on this too, where I was just like, you know what? We've got to have skin in the game of our own lives because if we're not betting on us, who is? And I think betting on us is knowing us deeply. And then you start to see, like you start to understand the growth. And I personally invest a lot in being in community 
mm-hmm. community because of the accountability, because it's people who challenge me and inspire me and call me on my bullshit. <laughs> so that to me is one of the greatest investments you can ever make in yourself is a place that's a sacred container and where you're held accountable for your growth. Thank you for sharing the importance of that especially just that trusting piece when we're invested, when we invest in ourselves, that's betting on ourselves and having building that trust. And I would say honoring your soul's, your soul journey, because we're programmed to invest in like the external, but not really putting that much importance on our own personal growth. And podcasts is a great way. Books are a great way. But it's like the surface level. Knowing is so much different than doing. And I agree. When I invest in a coach or a program, it's always the community that is the most um, beneficial out of that investment, being around other people. It's also moving away from the doing and into the being. And that's Mm. the hard, like that, that's definitely, but I shouldn't say it's the hardest part. It is definitely the most challenging part for those of us who've spent entire lifetimes in the doing Mm. and being rewarded for being in the doing and productivity and ticking all the boxes and all those things to really saying like, how do I want to show up today? Who do I want to be in the world? And okay, if I want to be that person, well, how does that person show up? What is that person like? And that, like, that's the kind of work that really excites me. And I tend to want to do that with coaches and in community because I, you, you learn by modeling and by other people modeling. It is exciting. I'm just so honored that you've been here with us today. I have a final question, sure. maybe a few, but this one I try to ask everyone, what is your definition of happiness? Oh, this is it's such a, cliche a good question, one. perhaps. Yeah, it's well, it's a good one because for you. I, yeah, I have a couple of thoughts on this. So the first is I tend to think of happiness as more situational mm-hmm. and joy as more sustainable or longer lasting. So when I think about creating a successful full life, which is, you know, my language around a life that really fills you up and um, feels on purpose and authentic and all the things we've been talking about. I really think about joy Mm -hmm. and love and courage and all those things. And I know happiness is a subset of that because when you're putting, when you're creating the conditions, you're putting yourselves in scenarios and circumstances that are going to make you happy. Mm -hmm. Right. But I really, truly believe that what we should all be striving for is a life where joy is a more present experience every day. And that you really wake up and think, wow, like I'm so grateful and look what I've created. One of the things I've been playing around with lately is I am the conscious creator of my experience. So if I want to be living a successful life, you know, that's full of joy and full of love and full of the things that matter most to me. Okay. So what does that look like? Be the conscious creator of that. Um, So I guess it's a long-winded way of saying like happiness to me is only one little sub component of something that's like bigger and longer lasting and just feels, um, yeah, just feels, feels more sustainable. Yeah. 
And that's basically successful to you. Yeah. And that's that we get to consciously choose. So I love that. It is all about joy and gratitude. And I'm just so grateful for you. I know that um, we connected in last year, but the message needed to wait till now. So thank you. Yeah. Well, you know what? And it's always the right time. Yes. It's always the right time. And I love that we get to, you know, start off early in 2022 with this conversation. It's really powerful. And thank you. I really thank appreciate you. I appreciate you and the work that you're doing as well and that you're furthering conversations like this. It's important. Honoring the soul. So how can our listeners, my listeners get in touch with you? I'll leave it in the show yeah. notes, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So the easiest way is on Instagram at soulbatical. I will say that a lot of my world this year is going to start to shift to be Shelly Paxton versus soulbatical. So one of the cool things I've realized on this journey, because it's ever evolving, right? Is that in order to truly honor my soul and the expansiveness of what wants to come out, it's time for me to step into the Shelly Paxton brand. And Sylvatical was only one step on the way there and one part of the path that I'm carving. So right now it's at Sylvatical on Instagram, Shelly Paxton on LinkedIn um, Sylvatical.com. Um, and in probably the not so near future, I would just say, you know, type in Shelly Paxton, Shelly with an E and you'll find me. It may be at Shelly Paxton. It may be many other things. Um, but yeah, for right now, that's and where I am. And your podcast. And my Rebel podcast Souls is Rebel podcast. Souls. Yep. 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 It's going to take a tiny little hiatus, but check in the whole bunch of yummy content from the past year and a half. I'm going on a little hiatus and then coming back and it'll be fire again. Thank you for sharing your badassery with the audience and me today. Thank you for listening and investing your time with me because I believe we are all here to learn, grow, and evolve effortlessly into the future. If you enjoyed what was shared today, I encourage you to subscribe, rate, review, and share because together we can do so much more. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Carrie Faith on Purpose to find out more opportunities to uncover your deepest why.